been a battle. I clap my hands. We're going to cut this out and start all over again. <laughs> you can clap your hands. I don't want to clap my hands. Because then you yell at me later when you have to edit this thing. I don't mind things like that. Oh, it hurts my feelings, Clint. <laughs> and I've lived these long 41 years trying to avoid my feelings getting hurt. But whether you cut this or not, uh, this is episode one of Cinebabble, uh, the newly titled podcast uh, after a three-episode experiment in podcasting that we did. I believe we're going to post those as episodes negative three, negative two, and negative one, uh, maybe sort of one day or soon, coming soon to a theater near you. Yeah, in the future. You might what do they call a podcast? Is it a podcast arena, a podcast theater, <laughs> a podcast? Is there a name for that? Stable. It's a podcast, <laughs> podcast stable. Okay. Well, we'll add those negative episodes to our uh, podcast stable, <laughs> and you can enjoy them and listen to the early days of us fumbling around and uh, being preteens and podcasting. I don't think there's going to be a dramatic uh, leap ahead in quality from there. Oh, to there here. is. <laughs> oh no, no, we no. haven't learned that much. No, no, no. There, there is definitely going to be. This is like going from Spartacus to 2001. This is a a leap ahead. This is new and revolutionized. There are segments. We're going to have like music and other uh, things that podcasts have. Mm-hmm. Right, Clint. Yeah, in the stable. In the stable. <laughs> segments skills that's our first segment is called segments in the stable Mm -hmm. where we talk about the segments that we'll be coming up with it was very well thought ahead and not come up with one spot for sure i like it uh (laughs) today we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about some things we've been watching uh we're gonna dive into some movie reviews uh we're just gonna have a general good time and uh we're gonna pretend this still isn't an experiment because it is officially episode one of the officially titled cinebabble podcast but, you know, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, let's right. do it. All right. So uh, up first, our first segment, uh, very, very proud of this segment title. Uh, what you watching about, Willis? <laughs> what you watching about, Willis? What you watching about, Willis? Uh, the segment where I ask Clint what you watching about, and Clint then asks me what you watching about. <laughs> and we're going to talk about... What you watching about. What, what you... <laughs> What you watching about? What you watching about? Well, <laughs> yeah. Did you enjoy that intro? Yeah. Uh, it I may be a work in progress. Proud of myself for doing that. Well, at this point, you know. It's in your imagination, so yeah. I'm sure whatever comes will be genius. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, what you what you watching about, Clint? <laughs> what I've been watching it about is um, <laughs> uh, I recently watched uh, this movie called True Stories, and uh, I recently I had uh, the Criterion Channel for a little while, and I got rid of it. I kind of ebb and flow with it. Depending on how much I'm using it. With Criterion or the Criterion channel? The channel. The channel. But not uh, the company. Not the company. Okay. The good people. Oh, good people. Uh, just on depending on how much I'm using it that month or catch myself letting it lapse and haven't, oh, I haven't seen anything on there in a while. So I'll cancel it and pops back in my head. I'll come back to it and sign up again. So I um, had recently heard about this movie, True Stories, that David Byrne from The Talking Heads directed. What year did he direct this? It was came out in 86. Really? Yeah. Okay. I haven't heard of it. 
yeah, I hadn't either really. And I, I can't remember what sparked my interest in seeing it. I think I might've been watching something on the talking heads and, um, they were talking about it. What's the premise behind it? So the premise behind this movie is there is almost no plot to this film. It's almost an excuse. Premiseless. Yeah. in, In a great way where it's almost an excuse to just put the talking head songs to, um, motion picture in a way. So, um, it's based around David Byrne is the narrator of this film and he is going to a small town in Texas and he is, um, it's going to be the hundred, I think at the 150th anniversary of Texas. So they're going to throw like a big parade in the small town and they're going to have a, um, a talent show, which is going to end the celebration so he's just kind of meeting different people from the town and uh all the different people he's meeting are based on tabloids like actual true tabloids that popped up in the paper that's the true stories yeah so they're not actual true stories yeah they're half true stories so the true stories are based on a little bit of truth but they've been exaggerated through this telling through the, the tabloid papers so, for example, this is John Goodman's first actual appearance on in a movie. He'd just been doing stage plays <laughs> and stuff before that. So he plays a character who he had been posting in um, local papers how he's trying to meet a wife. And, like, he even has a sign in his front yard that says, looking for a wife. <laughs> so he's just trying, like, it's before, like, Tinder or mm-hmm. any of the social media apps to do this. So Wait, he, wait, wait, wait. People had relationships before <laughs> Tinder? I don't know how it worked before That's then. So bizarre. Go yeah. on. Go I on. Just, everyone was just wandering around and they bumped into <laughs> they each other and it worked. Got married, had yep. kids. Okay. Yeah. That's You're how here, babies I'm are made. Here. Yep. So he, he's one of the characters that it kind of follows around. And there's a woman, I can't remember the name, name of the actress who plays. Everyone in this film are like staged actors, basically, and the, and uh, or like musicians. or um, They're not well-known except for John Goodman. And at this point in time, he wasn't well-known. This was kind of his breakout kind of thing. And so there's a woman who, I think she was like independently wealthy. So she just decides, I'm not going to leave bed. She just stays in bed all day long <laughs> and watches television and there's a couple other things like that. So it just kind of follows, jumps around from character to character. And David Burns' character is the narrator. narrator um, like, will come in and out of their lives and they narrate what's happening. And Now, is it uneven since it's kind of episodic, I'm assuming, where there are different episodes in there, different stories? Does it feel uneven or does it all flow? To me, it flows because it'll flow into a musical act. Like, there's a point where... Um, John Goodman's character goes to a bar and there's kind of a care, like a lip syncing contest. Mm -hmm. So in every song is like a talking head song. So different people from the crowd come up and do a portion of the song and then, and do their little chunk and then just kind of rotates in and out. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was really fun because it, there was different versions of talking head songs and there were, um, the characters were all kind of quirky. It kind of reminded me almost of like a Pee Wee's Playhouse. Mm. Like it has this like underlying like 
50s kind of tone even though it's set in the 80s like just like absurdity or, or almost yeah. yeah but it's subtle okay. and uh i really enjoyed it i thought it was really fun i'll check that out yeah is it anywhere else other than Criterion Channel? No, I think Netflix, Hulu, anything. I mean, you could probably get it on Amazon, but it, it's it was put out by Criterion recently, so they I guess have the rights to it now. Right. What else yeah. are you watching about? <laughs> uh, well, I recently rewatched RoboCop. <laughs> How'd that go? Oh, great! I mean, yeah, I love. Did that you watch film. like the unrated director's thing, or just like straight RoboCop? Just that a straight RoboCop. Our parents warned us about when we were children. <laughs> Well, I um I had watched it on HBO. I saw they had it on there, and so I was like, oh, I'll just I I had recently heard an episode of um Harmontown, mm-hmm. Dan Harmon's podcast, okay. and he had the writer on, and they did like a really like an hour and a half just conversation with him, and it was really interesting. So it just piqued my interest to rewatch that, and um yeah, they had it on HBO, and. After I'd finished it, I saw they had the extended cut version. I was like, oh, well, I missed those extra three minutes of gory violence or whatever they had stuck back in. But you had seen it before, yeah, right? Yeah. How does it, how's it hold up? I think it's great fun. Yeah. Like, I think RoboCop still looks amazing. And, like, I'm still impressed by, like, the that, that suit and just how well they made it feel robotic. And it, it's still got – it's got some cheese to it for the – from, like, being from that time period. Sure. But I I love all that stuff. Uh, I think it's really interesting to see. Did you watch the remake they did a couple of years back? No, I never saw that. Keep it that way. Yeah, I've heard. Just, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, surprisingly, like when I've gone back and watched uh, the original RoboCop, just like you said with the suit, the suit looks so on point. Yeah. And the new one actually looks cheaper. It, it doesn't look. <laughs> it looks more plastic. It really does. Yeah. That's what um, I could tell from just the previews. Yeah. Now, when I had watched the original RoboCop a couple of years back, uh, the only thing I remember feeling like, oh, that's really dated, was the uh, ED-209. That's the only thing. I agree it with you totally. It looks really stop motion. Yeah, I was um, just talking to my brother about it because he lo- likes that film a lot too. And I was like, the ED-2, st- yeah. it kind of jumps out a little bit. Even though like you kind of settle into oh, the the quality of it being stop motion after a little bit. But when it first appears, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's not that <laughs> jumps out a little well, bit. And that's one of those things like, God help me for saying this, but Paul Verhoeven could use a little bit of George Lucas and go back and just <laughs> just touch it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but it's yeah. OK. I, yeah. I, I enjoy it for that. Yeah. But I have kind of a strange relationship with that movie because I hadn't seen it i saw it for the first time a couple years ago maybe it's i mean i'd say a couple years ago it's probably like seven or eight years ago because of course growing up in a kind of strict uh household where my family my parents wouldn't let me watch certain things with a christian background i um i i wasn't able to watch that one but i think there was a point in my childhood before they became really entangled with the church where they would let me watch certain things with them, like if they had friends over. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember how old I was, maybe four or five when they, I mean, that came out in 86. And you watched RoboCop at four or five? Well, I think I did because I had (laughs) like this recollection of, um, they would do, they would certain sometimes play certain movies and like if something bad was happening, they'd make me cover my Mm -hmm. eyes. So I would just have, like somebody being covered in acid than hit by a car, maybe? Right. But the thing is, with that scene, they didn't get it quick enough oh. for my hand. So I had that image burned in my head. Oh, wow. And it still stands up. 
like it still freaks me out when I see it and maybe it's just from recollection of like from being a kid and seeing that but I still think it's pretty well done <laughs> one half the time i saw the shining when i was very 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 young yeah uh there was a babysitter watching me and it was on tv mm -hmm. and when my parents came home from wherever they were they walk in the babysitter's letting me watch the shining yeah i remember that i was not scared until my parents freaked out right that's when it clicked oh this is something to be afraid of mm -hmm. that's when i started feeling the fear of it and i always wonder like would i actually have been scared at that age not understanding really what was happening Unless they, my mom had the full meltdown in the door. Right, right. That, that babysitter never watched me again. <laughs> I think her name was Stacy. Wherever uh, you are, Stacy. Stacy. Man, you missed out on some money over yeah, those years. It's $5. But yeah, I, that scene still freaks me out. And I can't believe that my parents would do that to me. <laughs> you may be hearing the construction in the background. That's actually uh, right now as we're recording. Uh, our new $1.5 million podcasting recording studio uh, mm -hmm. is under construction right around us. We're bringing you the highest quality content possible. And certainly not your father-in-law installing a microwave. No, definitely no. not. Uh, that would be wholly unprofessional. Because <laughs> from the first three episodes to this point, we've hit it big. Seriously. Seriously. This is, this is top-level Cinema podcasting on Cinebabble. <laughs> we have a title. We're getting right? segments. Right? Yep. I'm just, you know, we're, we're moving right along. <laughs> Anything else you're watching right now? No, those are like uh, the big two. I mean, I've okay. seen things here and there, but those are, yeah. yeah. How, right. What you watching about, Ken? <laughs> <laughs> so much fun to say. You should try it at home. What you watching about? It makes total sense. It really does. Uh, here in a minute, we've got to share with you some of the titles we went through on this thing because it was it was great fun. And um, I don't know. I think we laughed more than we came up with anything <laughs> of value. But it yeah, was good I kind of wish we could have just gone with most of them and yeah. not felt ridiculous. But well, that's all right. Uh, I've been watching a lot, so I'm going to give you kind of a rapid fire. I watched uh, Godzilla: King of the Monsters finally. Uh -huh. That came out on Blu-ray. Uh, that was CG trash. It was not even fun trash. <laughs> uh -huh. It was just uh, wow, wow. Yeah, I kind of wow. had I had high hopes for that film a little bit just because of that director, and I was hoping uh, yeah. there would be more kind of practical things. Oh no, but yeah, no, I, I'm not yeah. even sure the actors were practical. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is a CG animated film. Uh huh. Um, and so I guess if you love big monsters clobbering each other, you're gonna love this. But it was, it was seriously on Dragon Ball levels where, uh, well, this fire blast isn't powerful enough, so now we're nuclear fire blasting, and that didn't work. And so we'll literally detonate a nuclear bomb next to Godzilla, and now he has super, super breath. It's that kind of movie. It tracks. Yeah. And one of, my, one of my big problems with it, it just it took and it had to come up with a narrative to make the humans at the center of the story, which I think is always the the challenge with yeah. large creature features because you have these enormous creatures. How do you then come down so small in scale and focus on the human story? Uh, it yeah. just, it did not work for me at all. I feel that's where that always kind of fails yeah. in that, yeah. in trying to accomplish that. Did not enjoy that. Uh, I watched... On Hulu, they have an exclusive The Amazing Jonathan documentary. Now, The Amazing Jonathan, uh, for those of you who don't remember, was kind of the cutting edge, like way out on the razor blade edge of comedy. Uh, his in acts, magic. Yes, I'm sorry, in magic. Uh, he, was, he was a comedian. He would do magic. 
and it was always very gory and very shouty. And I remember seeing segments of it when I was a kid and just thinking, this guy is amazing. Uh, the amazing Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, when you go back and watch this stuff, no, you realize very much that as he explains, nope, he was just hopped up on cocaine uh -huh. and meth a lot. Yeah. Uh, probably on stage every time I had ever seen him recorded. Mm -hmm. And so the, the documentary actually goes through, he was diagnosed with a terminal disease. And it just kind of tracks where he's at. It calls into question whether he's making it up or whether um, he's actually ill. It was decent. Uh, I think I think with a director uh, or a filmmaker that was a little more decisive, it would have been a lot better. Did yeah, you watch it? I did see that, yeah. I agree. I, it it kind of takes me out a little bit when the director ends up taking center focus and that does that a lot and uh, not in a particularly interesting way to me, no. really. No, um, he just, he sort of, he kept repeating himself like, yeah. oh no, the documentary is not going well, what do I do? Right. And the documentary came about uh, because there were other documentary filmmakers hired by The Amazing Jonathan, which I is a really that awkward, part that part's very interesting. Yeah. It'd be a very awkward situation, but he never really dove into what that would be like as a professional to have other professionals on your turf right and it just seemed like there was a lot of ground there when he literally has scenes of him going to his parents house and sort of moping that oh man there's there's these other filmmakers and his yeah. dad's like oh that's that's tough son <laughs> that's tough <laughs> and that's that's kind of he was very well intentioned uh he put together a decent flick yeah um i watched it all the way through i didn't give yeah, up me too. Um, but i kept waiting for a giant gotcha that never came yeah. Uh, now, way better was uh, a little flick called The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. <laughs> Possibly the best title of the year. <laughs> and I really thought it would just be, it stars Sam Elliott. Mm -hmm. uh, and Sam, Sam Elliott plays a character who, stop me if you've heard this, killed Hitler and then killed the Bigfoot. Uh, and story. it's him as a young man killing Hitler, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which history kind of covers up. And then later on, it's him killing Bigfoot. Uh, and having to track down this threat in the woods, it was surprisingly, it took itself very seriously. Mm -hmm. It was it was a really solid drama. I wouldn't say it's, you know, the pinnacle of filmmaking. <laughs> uh, but it was just, it was not what I expected at all. And it was really just kind of an exploration of an old man growing old and trying to figure out if his life actually meant something. Right. Uh, and to put it in into the context of somebody who killed Hitler it becomes such a bigger question and to watch him still have the same level of regret. It, it, they played with some very, very interesting themes that mm. I was not expecting. Highly recommend that one. Yeah. I have to get around to watching that one. Yeah, you should. Cause I told you about this <laughs> and you failed me. You failed Clint. <laughs> get used to it. It'll happen a lot. I know we're going to have an unprofessional strike system so oh. that this is unprofessional <laughs> strike. Number one. And after unprofessional strike number three, uh, you're fired. And I have no power to do that, but we'll just argue it out after we record. You're going to take my millions that I've earned from our other three podcasts? Well, no. First, we have to pay off the bills for this $1.5 million complex. Then I will take your remaining funds, uh, which are substantial. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Our budget is uh, irresponsible. I don't know how I'm expected to pay for my private jet if you... <laughs> Righteous gemstones. Yeah. <laughs> the most um, other things I've been watching, I finally, finally, speaking of things that I was assigned to watch and didn't watch, I finally watched Sharp Objects. Oh, yes. On HBO. Mm -hmm. Fantastic series. Yeah. 
far better than I thought it was going oh, to be. Oh, yeah. Filmmaking alone, uh, cinematography was worth it before you even get to the performances oh, and everything. Yeah. I, I don't even want to talk about what the series is about. Just no. if you haven't seen it, see it. It's it's outstanding. Um, yeah, also if you enjoyed caught, the first season of True Detective, I'd say yes. definitely put that in your list. Well, and actually Sharp Objects sent me down the rabbit hole, <laughs> and I ended up watching True Detective Season 1 again. Uh, not a giant fan of Season 2, and Season 3 was okay, but Season 1 I just returned to again and again. Yeah. And yep, Sharp Objects put me right back in that, that wheelhouse, and I went for it. Uh, I also watch Good Omens on Amazon, uh-huh. uh, which I hear you are watching. Yes. I've seen the first episode, and okay. it's just one that I've been slowly taking in. I need to jump back into it. What was your reaction after the first episode? I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I love, like, David Tennant. And yeah. so everyone... it's, it's lighthearted yeah. fun. I thought it was, um, oh, the Douglas Adam book, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh-huh. but with the Bible, essentially. Right. Uh, and so it was it was fun. I'm sure somebody will get very, very offended by it. But <laughs> well, there yeah. will always be those people. To be I guess. Yeah. Yes. I also watched Dark Phoenix. Have you uh, seen Dark no, Phoenix? I have not. Keep it that way. OK. I also watched uh, Euphoria. Oh, uh, yes. Which is insanely good. Yeah. Uh, Hyper disturbing. Yeah. Really unsettling. Yeah. Just for, take your for children's just phones a, away from wow. them immediately. Yeah. If, you... Uh, if you are if you're a parent at all. This series will inspire you to never buy them any electronic device, <laughs> not to let them go to a public school. Yeah, don't let them leave the house. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's it's excellent, though. It's really well um, done. Yeah. Zendaya? Is that how you say her name? I think she, so. She's the lead actress, mm-hmm. the uh, the actress from the, the recent Spider-Man films who plays MJ. Uh, but she's fantastic in it. And then finally, I watched this movie called Tone Deaf. Have you heard of this? I don't know if I have. Okay. I don't know how I feel about tone deaf. Okay. It is a, a young girl basically rents out a uh, Airbnb kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the tenant of the house or the owner of the house has rented it out because he's at the end of his life. His wife has died and he just wants to be a serial killer. That's the one oh. thing he's never accomplished in life. Yeah. And he's played by Robert Patrick. And he decides, you know, I'm going to rent out this place and I'm going to kill whoever rents it Mm -hmm. and it sort of, you know, things are turned on their head. Um, it was odd. (laughs) Odd is probably the best word. Some of it was good. Some of it was not. Uh, it felt like a film that had been passed through the hands of eight different directors, almost like they had experimented and they were like, I'll do 10 minutes. Yeah. You do the next 10 minutes. You do the 10 minutes after that. It was very strange. Hmm. Um, did that come out this year? Yes. Yeah. I don't think I would recommend it. Okay. I'll skip but, it. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's not worth your time. Okay. It's very strange. Have you been watching anything else or is that about it? Um, We, like you mentioned, The Righteous Gemstones. We just finished oh, the yeah. final uh, episode of the first season of that that just aired. Um, And uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was mm-hmm. great. Um, There was <laughs> some of the funniest things I'd have seen in a while um, where I'm to the point I'm crying and why I'm <laughs> laughing. And that's always a good sign. Um, it was nice as one of those shows that I can watch with Jenny. There's far and few in between that I, we can do that. And uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It's Not the show I would expect <laughs> like a young husband and wife to, you know, our romantic happy place, <laughs> the righteous gymstones. Well, I mean, comedies are easy things for us yeah. to watch. Like, she's not into like breaking bad or um any 
high drama. So it's a good place to join our interests. All right. Well, speaking of Breaking Bad, let's uh, let's dive right into some movie reviews. How's that sound? Okay. 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 All right. First up uh, is a movie that I'm pretty sure everybody uh, shy of, of being a sociopath has seen now. And probably a few sociopaths will find out in the coming months. But the Joker, or Joker, excuse Joker. me, not the Joker. No, he's the one and only Joker, Joker. so he doesn't need the the. Joker. Uh, right off the bat, first impressions, Joker. You walked out of the theater, you processed. What'd you come up with? I remember instantly when we walked out, I just, I think I even said to you, is like, I, I just feel worn out. Like it. <laughs> like exhausted? Exhausted. Like it took a lot out of me <laughs> and i honestly it took me probably up to two days ago to kindly finally come to my consensus consensus of how i actually felt about it because i was really torn on it and i think i just did not like it really yeah <laughs> wow i thought we were building up to it now i appreciate it no, no you just did not like it no what okay walk me through well I feel like it was pretty empty, but wrapped in a pretty package. It was definitely well shot. Yes, it was well shot. Um, the, I'm going to give it this. The music sounded good, but I hated the music for it. <laughs> um, I thought it was just so on the nose, and it just added... It didn't, it just added to the depressive, dark nature of it, but not in an interesting way to me. Um, and I, it's also one of those things where I, I wonder if I should rewatch it again after maybe the hype and everything mm -hmm. it, like uh, settles down a little bit. But I kind of also don't know if I care to. <laughs> um, I mean, where were you with it? I really liked it for the first third. Mm -hmm. I was in. Yeah. I was really sold on it. The second act really sagged for me. When they try to, they bring in Thomas Wayne. Can I ask you a question sure. first? Are, are we going to do spoilers? Oh, or? yeah. Okay. Let's just, okay, cool. Absolutely. Awesome. If, if you're listening to this, we'll give spoiler warnings. Yeah. Uh, you know, If you haven't seen The Joker uh, or Joker, Joker, you might want to scooch on past this section. Yeah. Um. Go for it. <laughs> so uh, you continue your thought because I just wanted to make sure that was clear before yeah. we jumped into it. No, my, my thought was just that second act, once they got to Thomas Wayne and bringing in Bruce Wayne and bringing in Gotham and all these elements, it really lost its footing. And yeah. you could tell it was not uh, somebody who was interested in making a comic book film or even a dark comic book film or a spin on a comic book film. It almost felt uh, like a chore. Like, oh, we have to put this in here. Yeah. Because it's Joker, and we had it just suddenly it it felt much choppier, yeah, and much lazier. And then the third act was strange. Now, before this movie, I had read all kinds of impressions and all kinds of articles about uh, the Joker is a dangerous film, right? And I thought that was ludicrous. Yeah, I I I thought that was just stupid. Mm -hmm. uh, just because somebody looks at a film. And says, oh, that made me go and do a, a terrible thing. The film did not make them go and do a terrible thing. 
Uh, and I, I still hold to that. It's not like Joker, you know, turned me on that. But I really walked out of it thinking there are people in this world that if they see that movie, that's a very dangerous movie. Yeah. Because he is so celebrated by the end. Mm-hmm. And it's such a rousing, uh, even society comes around him and joins him in his his homicidal tendencies. And they celebrate it. And it just, all of all of his murderous sprees were played for laughs, yeah. like genuine laughs instead of horror. Right. They were going for horrific, mm-hmm. but it, it just, it I, I suddenly very much had an idea of, of how that could be uh, a dangerous movie. Again, I don't think it could cause somebody to do something, but I could very much see somebody watching this movie over and over and over and over, right. ramping themselves up to what yeah. they want to do. Uh, it would not surprise me, it, you know, a year from now, if there's just some awful story on the news and they're like, oh, and this guy's been watching Joker every day on on DVD. Like, right. Yep, yeah, that, that kind of tracks. Yeah, and I also think the issues that they were trying to deal with, they didn't delve into the, any particular one enough to make it feel warranted to do so. Yeah. Like, it just felt like it was like, oh... Yeah, he's mentally sick, mm-hmm. and that's part of it. And yeah, abusive he's not mother. Ta- abusive mother. And oh, he's not taking his pills. Poor now people are good. He, rich people are bad. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, all this this is all can cause this. Yeah, I, and and it kind of feels like the how everyone says about gun violence, and it's like it's not guns' fault. It's the people who are mentally ill, and it's like this excuse. Um, I feel like it was done in that, that just in that way where it's just throwing it against the wall. Like, Oh, that's it. It, It's not, we can't attribute it to anything else. Um, yeah, it felt like a movie that had something really strong to say, but didn't know how to say it. Yeah. And it said a lot of things. It just mentioned these things. It didn't go into any one particular in a deep way to, to me. And then the how like they like you were talking about they were going into his relationship to the Wayne family and stuff it was like I hated how they were they would bring up these things like oh he's he's Batman or he's Bruce's brother oh nope he's not Bruce's brother oh um his mom was in a relationship with him nope she's crazy and uh, oh he's in a real he's in a relationship with the neighbor next door nope he's just crazy and you're imagining that and and it was like it just kept throwing all these things out there and then pulling them back and and i felt and i felt really dumb for falling for like especially the relationship thing where the whole time i'm feeling like on like i do not believe this yeah at i don't all. buy it i don't buy yeah. it like why would she be there's no reason that she she's would, way too supportive yep. she's way too happy she's, she's way too yeah there was no reason why she would be and then they pulled a rug out that like oh yeah he imagined this yep. this whole time i was like in that moment i was like oh do i like this like is that okay that's just a, like making me feel a little better about like oh okay she wasn't into him and they're not together but then i was like i just got mad at the fact that they just tried to in a lazy pull a lazy like fight club kind of thing and that's the movie i kept thinking of the whole time yeah. it felt like a uh less um structured version of fight club yeah where it was trying to have that same kind of duality between arthur and joker mm-hmm. in in the same character uh and really i guess the thing ironically that that 
turned me off from it where I was just like, no, I, I don't think I like it. Is his his final act that turns him into the Joker is he just shoots a guy? Yeah, that was. I it. was expecting so much more. I thought more that from whole that studio scene. audience is gone, or there's going to be. And granted, then I would be even talking about more that this is a dangerous film. Uh, if he if it had been more of a mass shooting kind of feel, uh, but it just it it stopped short of taking him to that place of where the Joker is in the comics or in the movies, or he's, he's much bigger than, Oh, I got my feelings hurt by this one guy. And that's, that's essentially what he did. He killed the two people, uh, the three people that abused him. Right. Essentially. Uh, and, and the most interesting things about the movie, I actually got from articles afterwards. Uh, one, did he kill uh, the woman that he was in love with right. or not? That was very interesting to me. And mm -hmm. so I do want to see it again. Uh, to, uh, at the end, you know, he mentions about, you know, it, it just, uh, it's it's a joke and, and nothing. I'm not going to tell you to the therapist. Was the whole movie a joke? Is it just like Heath Ledger, Ledger when he's, his Joker is making up origins? And this was just another Joker version telling a story and he finds it funny that this therapist is believing his story. Um and then the third, like you said, about uh, the Thomas Wayne stuff. Right. Uh, there were so many more interesting articles about what people thought the movie was doing there. Uh, one of them talked about Thomas Wayne being uh, a combination of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Uh -huh. uh, and I, that was so interesting to me. It wasn't there. No. I don't think. I don't think it was there for me to, to find. Um, so I do want to see it again. But I just, no, I, I'm not at the place where I didn't like it. I just didn't like it. <laughs> yeah yeah if that makes sense i i didn't think it was bad i just didn't think it was great yeah well um, i i felt like it was just on this steady one note path for most of it where it was just dark yeah there was no ebb and, like up and down where it makes the really intense acts that he takes feel like there are these big monumental moments. It's just him getting beaten down the entire time yeah. to the point where it just became like kind of miserable to watch to me. And, um, I was uncomfortable watching it with an audience too. Yeah. I don't know if you Especially felt that, with but where the points people laugh. Yes. So when he kills his coworker, yeah. his co two of his coworkers come to his, his apartment mm -hmm. and he kills the one. And the other one, uh, is, is a dwarf or a little person and um, he he doesn't kill him because he was nice to him, but it's played for laughs. The the guy can't reach the doorknob. Yeah. And so the audience is laughing. It didn't feel like uncomfortable laughter. It just felt like comedic laughter. Yeah. Like, and I'm sitting there like, reach. this is not funny. Yeah. This person is terrified. And this is a really tense moment where is Joker going to kill him too? Like Joker's going to let him go. But, oh, did he just know that he's not going to be able to reach the door and he's going to walk over and stab him too? Right. It was such a moment of tension and it was completely broken by this uproarious laughter. And then I got uncomfortable. It's like, no, it's it's supposed to be funny to the Joker, not to us. Right. Like This isn't yeah. a moment we're supposed to be laughing. Yeah. I know. And that's the thing with the Joker that I always liked, especially like from the animated series mm -hmm. and every... like. In Heath Ledger's performance, it's like he's telling a joke that nobody thinks fun is funny except yeah. for him. Yeah. And um, and this time it was just it was so uncomfortable that 
I just didn't find it amusing. And one another thing that I kind of have come to is after thinking about it for the last like week is I don't think he would be in every other um, kind of telling of his story. He is kind of Batman's antithesis Mm -hmm. and he's like his arch nemesis. In this, I don't think he's smart enough to be that. No, yeah, I didn't get any grand plan at the end, and that was when he goes and he he has his ultimate revenge. Nothing about it felt grand and orchestrated and and maniac. Yeah, it and like just, I don't think he would. Where would he go from there? Yeah. like he he is not. He's like, like I don't think he's like legitimately smart enough to have like the schemes and the things that like every other depiction of him like portrays like i don't think he would be like he would get caught immediately by batman like that's how i just kept thinking like how does he get to that point he can barely spell the yeah and the leap at the end where suddenly he's he's in a padded room with a doctor and then he's walking away with bloody footprints this is not a guy who can break out of a padded room and kill uh, you know a doctor in a room with no weapons and like none of that was the character we've just spent time right. watching. Yeah. And so either there's a time jump here and he's really become this maniacal genius or it's tacked on or the whole thing was just a story in a dream. But even that's a strange choice. I know because there's no hint of them doing that. Like no. he, he's been telling this doctor the his story the entire time. And he's and telling her the delusion within a delusion or within a story. Right. It it was it was very, very strange. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely going to watch it again. I'm not yeah. going to the theater again. I want to watch it by myself Yeah. when it comes out and just see if I have a different reaction. But, yeah. uh, I'm glad they're making movies like that, uh, where they're taking the idea or the, the idea of a character from a comic book and trying to do something interesting mm-hmm. with that character. I'm all about that. Everything doesn't have to be a connected universe. Yeah. I, I like that too. Um, but, but I, I don't think this was successful. No, I don't either. And I, I feel because like, I would, I felt like in the negative episodes that we had where we were talking about the excitement we had, or at least especially me for for this film, I feel a little kind of duped by yeah. it just because like it was wrapped in such a nice package yeah. with the music they chose for mm-hmm. it and the the like we said the cinematography is pretty great, yeah. but it's in the service of material that I didn't really enjoy. So it's just like, that's where my confliction was. It's like, this looks great, but I should be, (laughs) I don't know. There's one of my favorite actors on screen right now, Yeah. but what's uh, being told through the the images is not giving me anything of substance. I don't know. And another thing is, um, Heath Ledger's performance, like I felt like Ooh, within yeah. the time he's on screen in, in The Dark Knight Rises is far more interesting to me. And I thought, ironically, the the Dark Knight Heath Ledger Joker accomplished the same thing. Yeah. Suggested the same story beats, suggested the same, not story beats, but the, the kind of whatever led him to breaking and things like that. Similar things. Uh, but it was just in a more cryptic and interesting way yeah. and did far more with what does chaos actually look like in an ordered society. Right. I feel like he got across the idea of uh, chaos and yeah. um, uh, 
much more effectively yep. than this did and through telling an entire story about that character yeah. and then I don't know how long exactly he's on screen in that film but every time it's riveting and this I was feeling like I was being beat over the head by his misery right. well maybe we'll talk about it again the second time <laughs> we see it but yeah second uh, right takes. now I just you know I'm not in a rush to no. and and honestly uh, when I hear people like this is the best movie I've ever seen I'm looking at them like yeah okay yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if maybe it's just a taste thing but that scares me a little that right. this is what you consider like this movie speaks to me uh. okay two steps back <laughs> <laughs> yeah but oh. I don't know maybe I missed something yeah I'll I don't know now the other big movie that we were looking forward to and that's why I'm thought to go into this as soon as you had mentioned Breaking Bad this week on Netflix El Camino dropped and El Camino is a, a two hour it's essentially two Breaking Bad episodes that follow uh, Jesse at the end of Breaking Bad did you watch this? yeah I hated it really? no I love oh, it oh <laughs> I that just you broke my brain no I, 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 I'm sorry I felt like I needed to expel a little more <laughs> anger from Joker uh, alright so you did not hate El Camino. No, I enjoyed yeah. every minute of it. Oh, great, so I great, thought it great. was great. Yeah, I yeah. I absolutely, I was just completely, it was compelling. I was wrapped up in it. I loved that it wasn't just action, action, action. He's on the run. I love that it slowed down. I love the use of flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the first times I've seen any work of fiction use flashbacks in a way that actually propelled a character forward. Right. That was fascinating to me. Yeah. And Looking tied back into what to push he's somebody. doing in uh, in the future. Yeah. Like, yeah, I enjoyed it, all of it. I, and I thought it was such a effective way to bring that character yeah. back and to um, tell his story after the, the finale of the show. Um, well, and I was a little worried about that. Does this take what was an excellent ending to this excellent series and just tack something on that's not needed. Yeah, and I didn't feel it felt that way at all. No, not yeah. at all. And I, I came out of it like, oh, why was I worried about this? Yeah. Why was I even thinking this might feel like an add-on? And Vince Gilligan, we trust. Oh, seriously. I, I feel like he, like I was thinking about that today after watching it as like, like one of the like most solid like writers and show runners that are is working like I, every i mean i really like better call saul I, like he's made that character different and interesting and when that's epilogues and prequels never feel essential right i know and here's better call saul which feels like an essential prequel mm-hmm. and here's el camino that feels like an actual essential epilogue yeah uh and epilogues are by their nature tacked on and this if, if they had ended the series with two more episodes of this, it would completely track. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the fact that uh, What's-His-Face would look a lot younger and thinner. Yeah, um, Jesse Plemons. Jesse, poor, poor Jesse Plemons. I know. And, I, and it was really funny. Like, I wasn't <laughs> sure how much they were going to do with him when he yeah. first appears because they're, like, showing him through the, the bars. Yeah. And I was like, oh, are they trying to hide him a little bit? But yeah. then it, it goes from there. And uh, But I was I got over it. And yeah. I was... I, I kept waiting for a line where his uncle showed up and told him, like, you're putting on weight. You need to <laughs> cut down yeah. so that it fit in neatly. But that's fine. Yeah. And they did such a good job of bringing back characters yeah. in like 
in an interest like essential way like like oh they they matter to where the story is going after this point and they matter to jesse yeah if skylar had showed back right, up like or walt one, jr yeah. or uh hank's wife uh, marie it would have felt very like oh this is just right putting these actors mm-hmm. in for actors sake and i i mean i really loved how they brought walt back oh yeah like i thought that scene was so good and, and uh, even that was so low-key it yeah. was not what you would expect from yeah and here's Walt and Jesse again. Yeah. They don't put them at a time that they're in conflict. They put no. them very early in the series, right when they're on the verge of either walking away or or doing something that doesn't end up being the series that we watched. Yeah, or wow. it's like a moment where things are really getting big, like with the yeah. with their enterprise. And it was so bittersweet. Yeah, I love how like the last line of that interaction, yeah. where at, they're at the table and he's like, "I'm like envious of you yeah. for doing something big so early in your life." And it's like so dark that he's <sighs> thinking that this is his like calling in life that he's now doing at the end of his life oh and that's what i really appreciate about the flashbacks because it's almost like he's he's remembering the one moment that meant the most yeah from each of these characters from the opening with mike yeah to the flashback with walt to the flashback with uh oh what was his girlfriend's name who died right that walt let her die yeah anyway jessica jones <laughs> <laughs> uh Kristen ritter yeah um even even that he's he's going back to these times that were peaceful. It's a peaceful moment with Mike. It's even peaceful moments with Todd. Right. Uh, Todd is a psychopath. Yeah. Uh, a sociopath, but he's not in those moments a danger to Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and right up through to Walt, uh, and then to Kristen Ritter's character. Each time, it's like these sort of idyllic moments. But they're sad because what they're saying, you know, these people are now dead. Yeah. And he's remembering the things they said in a different way than he took it when they said it the first time. Right. Uh, And that was probably not to overthink this, but it's Vince Gilligan. Yeah. That was the most interesting thing to me because that's exactly what happens in life. Mm -hmm. When you remember back to times you had with somebody that's no longer around or somebody that's passed away or something like that, you remember these conversations or these encounters but they take on a completely different meaning later in your life than they did at the time. Right. I've just never seen a movie or TV series. And maybe there's one out there that's done this before. I cannot think of one that's used flashbacks that effectively. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it was just, um, it was great. I know. Um, you're, you're right how he used these flashbacks to propel Jesse's story in this point in his life after escaping and i and i felt those everything was so interesting like i i was totally sucked into it and um i i liked the almost like way he brought walt back in some of the actions that jesse takes yeah and it's like what he's learned from walt like his ingenuity and all that. It was, and even down to that entire scene where he's stripping Todd's apartment. That's Mike. That was Mike always has the scenes of, you know, he's taking apart the car or he's doing something very methodical. He's searching inch by inch. That's Mike. Mm -hmm. And I bet, because I'm going to watch this again. I bet if you go through, uh, it's, it's all kinds of what he learned from Walt, what he learned from Mike, what he took from his parents, what he took from Saul, what he took from all these people. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, it was excellent. 
Yeah. Just all around. I cannot wait to watch it again. There wasn't a minute where I was looking at my watch or wondering what's Vince doing. It just. Yeah. I think I'm, I may have looked at my watch just to see, like, I hope there's more. more I I could have done an entire season series. It was just so nice to be back with those characters again. Like, And especially, like, I didn't know how kind of cathartic it was to see Jesse out of the situation he was in. Because it's been a minute since I've seen that, the series. And it was saying, like, oh, okay, he's going to kind of move on past this. And it was was great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, the other thing on Netflix this week uh, (laughs) that came out, In the Tall Grass. Uh, I am a giant Stephen King nerd. Yes. Uh, Stephen King is my comfy place. (laughs) Uh, The original book or or short story in the tall grass was co-written by Stephen King and his son. I don't know if that's a process where they wrote it together or they switched off chapters. Right. I read that story. Had you ever read the story? No, I have not. Okay. Is it older or is it newer? It's newer. It's, It's more recent. Yeah. What'd you think about this movie? I thought it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like after yeah, it ended yeah. i was just like that was yeah. fine i don't regret watching that okay we are yet again on the same page <laughs> because i watched and the whole time i'm just like all right yeah okay yeah. um nothing particularly bothered me yeah i thought uh with some better actors uh it, it so may have been i thought a, patrick wilson was good he was good he kind yeah. of pulled me through he it. was good the it, yeah. it was the young actors yeah it, they were too uh you had said earlier about joker being on the nose they were too on the nose yeah. for me um they were they were just a little one note yeah i agree um, and granted in the original story they're they're pretty one note uh the brother and sister now you actually in the story you never see the you hear about the boyfriend but you never oh, actually okay. have him as a character coming oh. in uh, but the brother and sister are pretty one note, but it's it's a novella, it's a short story. Yeah. It doesn't feel the same way in a book as when you're actually seeing these characters right. uh, and hearing them. But yeah, it, you know, eh. <laughs> I, eh. I, yeah. it, it had that kind of space Lovecraft, uh, dark vibe. I, I always enjoy that. Yeah. I thought they did well with the, the grass and the, the supernatural elements. Yeah, I, I kind of, it took me out a couple of times, like just going from the practical field to some of the like green, obvious green screen yep. of, um, effects for like night. And yep. uh, that was actually, not to interrupt you, that was another interesting thing in, yeah. the, in the book. It's all day. Oh, it's and they even comment on that. Yeah. That like, why isn't it going dark? I couldn't understand why they didn't do that other than I guess they thought dark was scarier or maybe it's easier to shoot at night uh, because for the sun. Yeah. But I thought even if they had shot it all day and even if the shadows kept shifting, that's not a movie mistake or that's, that's an interesting, that's what the field is doing. The field is playing with time and, uh, I yeah, really wish that it had been really just sun beating down on them. The and it's whole time. funny because they did play with that some yeah. because there were points where they would look up and the sun is in one spot yeah. and then, oh, the sun's over there now, but not in a way where that's how the sun naturally yeah. moves. It was it was like we're getting all turned around. Yeah. Um, now, I did love the space rock at night. I did But too. even that, it yeah. would have been really cool if it's day, 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 but as soon as they get to the rock, it's right. suddenly night. Yeah. And it's this very ominous... Yeah. Uh, you know, they could have even done something like that. Yeah. But. I liked 
some of the some of the stuff that they did at the end with the space rock mm-hmm. thing where they went down below it and it was just kind of like hell attached to it with yeah yeah i, I enjoyed that i yeah. thought that was a cool image um i was i was happy it went kind of bonkers yeah i i did enjoy that a lot of that or at least a version of that with her child and everything that happens similar to the way it happens in the movie in the book and that was one of those things where I thought this is that's what they're going to change. Right. They're they're not going to to go gory and go that out there. But they did, and so I appreciated that. Uh, but yeah, it was fine. It yeah, was fine. It was two hours of my life that were not wasted nor beneficial to me in any way. No. Yeah. Um, have you? Oh, he did you? The director? Yeah, the director. Oh, it was by the guy who did uh, Cube and Splice. Really? Uh, Vincenzo, Vincenzo Natale. You definitely said that wrong. Vincenzo, I don't know how you said that wrong, but you definitely did. Vincenzo. Vincenzo. Natale. Okay. If your name is Vincenzo, and this is not how you say it. I didn't say Vin. It, it's not Vincenzo. You can Vin. send us an email at unprofessionalstrike2clint at cinebabble.com. I'm trying to get fired. <laughs> Vincenzo Natale. Ben, sure. I think you should stop before you get professional Vincenzo strike number three. Vincenzo Natale. You know what you sound cube. right now? It's it's like uh, Inglorious when Hans is asking them to say their names. Uh-huh. And like, Irlami. <laughs> Could you say that again for my ear? Irlami. <laughs> anytime I try to do it for a name, I... I... <laughs> have that vibe yeah he did cube and splice okay loved cube wasn't a big fan of splice i really i really enjoyed splice at the time really i think i went back recently and tried to watch it and any anytime there's interspecies anything i'm done oh it super creeps me out and i I liked it it kind of i'm into it (laughs) (laughs) no it kind of gave me like a cronenberg kind of feel that's where it's kind of the body horror (laughs) elements um i'm into that Okay, well, I mean... Vincenzo. Erlami. Salami. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, finally, last movie we're going to review this week. Uh, now, we've been we've been together, lockstep, all three movies. <laughs> what movie? See what, what happens here. Now, so, uh, like... We're going to talk about uh, Jim Jarmusch's The oh, Dead Don't Die. Yeah. Um, can I give you my take first? Sure. Okay. Well, well first, give me your one to three word... What'd you feel about this movie? I really enjoyed it. <laughs> that was four words. <laughs> that's that's almost an unprofessional strike. Really enjoyed it. There we go. Really enjoyed it. You followed you the rules of the game. You don't know who did. Somebody did. Just no. Okay. So here's my take on it. Uh, please explain to me why. <laughs> well, I, I I did not understand this. I, like I understood the movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't need a, a an explanation as to what the movie was or anything like that. I just, I'm watching it the whole time and I was laughing. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> well, I, I. What did I just watch, Clint? I don't know. I feel I really enjoy like almost every Jim Jarmusch film. Like, and remind me what he's done. You've told me. He did eight Broken times. Flowers. He did. Okay, Broken um, Flowers was only, the one was I was the, trying to think of. Only Lovers Left Alive a couple years ago. Okay. The I enjoyed Only Lovers Left Alive. Broken Flowers I enjoyed upon rewatches. Hated it the first time. Uh, yeah i well i went into that film expecting rushmore too Mm -hmm. and so i it wasn't fair he did uh down by law like years ago and that was probably from i think that's from the 80s i I really enjoyed that with um as a good cast and uh he did 
I mean, he's got a big resume of movies, but that's some of the jump out me right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I, I really in tune to his low key. This, it was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I don't think it's... One, I love the cast. Yeah. I don't know if it's um, one of his best, but I, I enjoyed all of it. I don't know. I, the the only scene that I was just like, this this movie's great, was the the diner when there's the bodies inside and everybody walks in, has the same reaction. They come back out and the cops are just standing there, uh, Bill Murray and Adam Driver, and they have the exact same response to them <laughs> each time. That was just wonderful to me. Yeah. But everything else I kept... I guess I just I kept waiting for. Yeah, that's the thing that you can't do with he's going to any expectation you have of what should be happening, he's not going to do that. Well, I don't like it, Clint. No, oh, I I do. I've kind of I've gotten really? used to his just way of doing things, okay. and I'm just like, oh, it. Uh, I had this thought when I was watching it because I knew you when we had talked about it for a minute that you had seen it. From the way you expressed that you had seen it, you did not enjoy it. And I knew that I like I probably I was trying this. to poker face. How did I? How I did I reveal? That poker face. Really? Yeah. Um, so I I knew I was going to go into it enjoying this probably a lot more than you did. Okay. So I I thought of this: if most movies are a river and they go along and they branch off and they do other things, Jim Jarmusch's <laughs> films are stream and they just lazily. Go on, and you can put your little boat in there, and it can just sail along, and it doesn't really get anywhere. It might just be the stream in your backyard, but it's nice to just go splash around in there for a little bit. And that's what I thought about it. His, <laughs> you're looking at me. <laughs> that's the best explanation yeah. I've ever heard for this kind of movie. Yeah, that, and I that enjoy that. It just goes like me. you go and then like same with Broken Flowers. Just enjoy these characters for a little bit, and they're just kind of lazily going about doing this and saying some quips and uh, that's how I take his films and that's I enjoy just sitting in those for a little bit man <laughs> I'm going to remove both unprofessional strikes <laughs> from your records yes. and that was wow yeah that was pretty professional that was <laughs> that was super professional you just blew my mind Maybe I, watch the, like some one of his other films again. No, I just I've never felt like more of an amateur <laughs> than right this minute because that was. Don't worry, I'll say or do something mm, in a minute that will take that's that all okay. back. Vincenzo <laughs> Natale. <Natalia. laughs> yeah. All right. Wow. Man, that's great. <laughs> I'm gonna. Mm, I'm going to sleep thinking about <laughs> rivers and streams tonight and how it relates to cinema that I enjoy or have not enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, this this may have just opened a whole new world for me. <laughs> yeah, I just think there's sometimes you just have to look at uh, maybe a director's body of work in a different way than outside. That's how I kind of got into him is like, okay, he's he's outside of what everyone else is trying to do. And I, he's a musician too, mm-hmm. um, and I enjoy his band a lot. So now, is his music the same way? It just meanders along and never goes anywhere? Yeah, kind of. It's like that sounds gu- awful. No, it's great. It's guitar, you know like guitar driven, okay. um, just rock that's filling space. And I, and I need a verse, a chorus, a verse, a chorus, a bridge, a verse, a chorus. That's that's amateur. You know, <sighs> you don't want that. All right. Yeah. So yeah, it's he does the soundtrack. Okay. So it's just accumulation of all his things that I enjoy. Okay. Again, I enjoyed it. Watch yeah. it. I can totally see people I'm, like I understand your point is valid too. 
I think I just, I always come to a movie and this is, this is the downside of that. I always, always come to a movie and I'm like, what do you have to say to me? Uh huh. And when I come across movies where they aren't trying to say something to me, yeah, it really confounds me. Yeah. And I can recognize a movie is still good, but I, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around what I'm supposed to be receiving. Like, what signal are you putting out? Why am I not getting it? Yeah, that's, I mean, if you watch true stories like we had been talking mm-hmm. about earlier, you you may feel that way. Like, what is this trying to portray to me? And I don't know if I'm getting it. Because it, it's kind of the same way where it just kind of lazily goes along. We're in the lives of these people who live in this small town celebrating the 150th anniversary of Texas. I love that. And uh, yeah. this, these quirky characters who come together to sing uh, David Burns' Talking Head songs. and Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Maybe I'll rewatch this one too. Well, or watch it, rewatch another one of his movies. I, the whole time Did I was watching this movie, you, you read my poker face, but the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, Clint's going to love this movie. Yeah. Like, try Down by Law. It's one of his older movies from the 80s. And it's Down by Love? Down, down by Law. Down, down by down, down by Law. And Mystery. Law? Tri- law. L-A-W? Down by Law. And it's about a group of... L wait L A W okay L A W I thought you were just like La La Land like <laughs> down by law 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 okay anyway it's about a group of three inmates who are in jail together and about them trying to escape and it's just about these three guys and um, hmm. yeah all right I'll give it yeah. a shot yeah in Mystery Train Mystery Train and yeah and that follows a the different groups of characters that kind of just like vignettes okay yeah. Just, so just really, anybody who stream. ever finds our podcast should really just sit there with notes and just write down all the random movies we talk about and then just binge all week long. Yeah. Till we or, give them another list of movies. Yeah. I'm good well, with What that. other reason to do this than to get a list of movies to binge? Wait, are you saying we babble about cinema and that babble? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to take away points for you. <laughs> Or I might give you my last third point so I cannot do this again. Speaking of, can we just for a second talk about the gold mine of titles that we came up with that for various reasons, some uh, were nixed because somebody else had them. Uh, Some were nixed because they're just offensive. Some were (laughs) nixed because they just didn't pan out. Uh, what were what were some of your favorite alternate titles for Cinebabble? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> here's one that I I was this was a point where I was frustrated with trying to come up with a name, so I just got online to a band naming website where okay. you just kind of put one word in that you're content with, and it'll kind of um, do its magic and come up with the rest of the name. <laughs> All right. So what did this band name generator come up with? So I put cinema in and it gave me cinema necktie of the scabby entrepreneur. <laughs> and uh, I thought that might be worth Say using. that one again. Cinema necktie of the scabby entrepreneur. Wow. That's quite the algorithm. Yeah. There was a lot of math <laughs> that went into that one. It's, it's a dark AI future right now. Yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. Okay, others. Uh, well, my favorite that I had come up with was <laughs> I don't know where this one came from, but I would have been content if it was named this. It was uh, Charlton Heston ate my dog. 
And this may become a segment in yeah. the show. Yeah, we, we talked about this one. This is definitely becoming a segment of the show. And we'll surprise you with what that segment's going to be about. But Charlton Eston... Ate my dog. Ate my dog. Yeah, and if this was a one-man operation, um, it would have been called that. <laughs> <laughs> we we went back and forth a lot about what you what you watch about Willis <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as what? the title. And finally, we were just like, well, if anybody ever tries to search for this, uh, how are you even spelling that? But uh, watch you, what you what you watch what about, you watching about Willis, Willis is one of my favorite things ever. Yeah. Uh, we had also talked about Insomniac Cinema. Uh, two small of my town favorites. Cinema. Small town cinema was a really good one. Uh, two of my favorites uh, are so punny that they just delighted me. Uh, and the first one was two peas in a cinepod, <laughs> which I can't get through uh, without laughing. Two peas in a cinepod, and then hands down, like even better than Cinebabble, I really fought for this one and wanted this one to be the title of the podcast. Was Cinema Toast Crunch. <laughs> And we would be eating cereal the entire the time. The entire time. And I think this will have to be a segment, something about like breakfast movies or I don't know. but Best cereal cinema. to pair with certain movies. Yeah. And and if you're you're out there and you want to start your own podcast and you want to steal that, steal it. Uh, I'll listen to it. Cinema Toast Crunch. <laughs> One of mine that I really enjoyed was, <laughs> it, it ain't no show business of yours. <laughs> That's good too. Uh, my favorite of yours, you you suggested. What's your slant? <laughs> Which, uh, what's your slant? To me, sounded like a podcast about sexuality, and uh, it just it cracked me up. To it would end. just be me checking in with you. Yeah, you know. Hey, what's your slant this week? <laughs> Still women. Yeah, yeah. Married. Good. <laughs> Married. <laughs> uh, do you have any others before I, I talk about my ultimate favorite and the um, one I will continue to fight for as long as this exists? I had uh, the opinions of two assholes. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the table at one point. Yeah, yeah. It got nixed. <laughs> um, I don't want your opinion. <laughs> That's a good one. You never said that one. I think at some point I did. Hey, shut up. I don't want your opinion. <laughs> Movie podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's here's, all variations on all. Here is my absolute favorite. Okay. I know you're tired of hearing it because I have said it at least 1,100 times. Uh, oh, goodness. Yep. Are you ready again? 1,101. Yeah. Uh, the podcast should have been called. We need to talk about movies. The only movie podcast inspired by 2011's, we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> and that's the full title. Yeah. We need to talk about movies. The only movie podcast inspired by 2011's, we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> Why? Because I guarantee no podcast is inspired by that movie. I don't think anything is inspired by that movie. Uh, it's a very fine film, but it's, whew, it's dark. Yeah. But yeah, we need to talk about movies. They should have been done that as the origin of Joker. That would have been that would have been more interesting. Almost the same yeah. arc. Yeah. I don't know. All right. But so you're happy you're happy. Next with week we'll Cinebabble. be talking about we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely we're gonna talk about we need to talk about Kevin. That's what I'm going to be watching about. <laughs> It's really hard to say in different yeah. tenses. I, know. I realized once you, we started recording. Yeah. Uh, you can't past tense it. You can't future tense it. 
It's it's got to be present tense or it falls apart. That's good. Fun. What you watching about, Willish? <laughs> you always say Willish. Willish. What you watching about, Willish? What you watching about, Willish? <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that wraps up this in a, a nice, neat and tidy episode one of Cinebabble. Uh, we will be back next week with a brand new fantastic episode two with all sorts of delightful movies to talk about. Eventually here in the future, uh, we're going to start talking about the things we will be watching. You can watch with us, uh, and that way we're all on the same page when we talk about this. So thanks for listening. See ya. Clint's not fired. (laughs) 